0: Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Today, I want to draw your attention to one word found in verse 15. It's the word behave. Would you say behave with me on three? One, two, three. Behave. Say it again, please. Behave. Today is not a message about me sharing with you the do's and don'ts or the rules and regulations of the word of God. Today is a message. Just simply, I want to label my thoughts with these words. And if you walk away with anything, I want you to walk away with this thought. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Your beliefs determine behavior your behavior by means of introduction, as we come to this section in the book of 1 Timothy, we find the Apostle Paul is writing this letter. We believe this is one of his prison epistles. So there he is in jail writing to encourage his son in the faith, Timothy, who he has mentored and discipled and, and educated. And, and in this book of the Bible, he is encouraging him. He's also instructing him on how to conduct himself. And so as we come to verse 15, there is a little bit debate about who is he's writing to. And we know he's writing to Timothy. But I need you to understand that through Timothy, Paul is writing to help encourage the believers in Ephesus. We understand that Timothy went and pastored the church in Ephesus. And this city of Ephesus was a city that was smitten with idolatry, worshiping false gods. And we understand that also in the context of this verse, that yes, the Bible says thee, that is singular. In verse number 14, these things I write unto thee. That is singular. Whenever you see thee and thou and thy in the King James, it is singular. Whenever you see you, your, or ye, it is plural. And here we understand he's writing to one individual, Timothy. But through this letter, we receive application of how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to behave inside the worship services of Jesus Christ. We understand today we are gathered together not to exalt a preacher, not to exalt a musician, not to exalt a deacon, not to exalt a church member, but to exalt none other but the name of Jesus Christ. Because it is at His name that every knee is going to bow, and at His name every uh, tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We understand in chapter number 1, the Apostle Paul is instructing how to conduct yourselves in the body of Christ concerning Bible doctrine. And I've labeled this sermon series, Sound Doctrine. So today we are seeking to, de- to discover the sound doctrine of the Christian conduct in the household of the church. And in chapter 1, we find that the Apostle Paul said that the law was, was not made for a righteous man, but for an unrighteous man. We find that the Bible says in verse 15 that, that, that Jesus, Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. That's you and that's me. And he said, of whom I am chief. He goes on to talk about false doctrine concerning Hymenaeus and Alexander. In chapter 2, he discusses how men are to behave in the house of God. How men are to lead the way in being prayer warriors and laboring fervently in the closet of prayer. He moves forward in chapter 2 discussing how women are called to conduct themselves in the household of faith and that they are not to usurp or to overthrow the authority of men, but to submit to man's authority in the church to serve God as God has instructed each of us to serve. In chapter 3, he zooms in and focuses on pastors or bishops or elders or the shepherds, the under-shepherds of the church. We understand that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and the bishop of our souls. But he has set up pastors in the local church to lead, to direct, and to serve. And then he also discussed how deacons are called to conduct themselves in the local church. And we've looked at all this so far. And I believe that it all leads up to verses 14, verse 15, and verse 16 to say this. I believe that the Apostle Paul, when, we're writing in, when he's writing verse 15 by divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if I could just break it down into modern lingo, I would say it like this. Your beliefs determine your behavior. Listen, church, what you believe, what you say about Jesus Christ is going to determine how you act, how you think, and how you speak every single day of your life. So my question for you today, right out the gate, before we move any further, is what do you believe about Jesus Christ? You know, he's either, he's either Lord, he's either a, a lunatic, or he is either a liar, as uh, C.S. Lewis once said. Today I want to label, um, excuse me, today I want to share with you a key statement that if you also walk away with anything, I want you to remember this thought. Our beliefs about the Savior will determine our behavior. I know I've shared this many times before, but I just want to reiterate it today as we come to this chapter, this section. Our beliefs about the Savior will determine our behavior. I don't know about you, but I believe that Jesus Christ is our amazing advocate. I believe that Jesus Christ is the beautiful balm of Gilead. I believe that Jesus, Is Christ our Creator? I believe that Jesus is our dynamic deliverer who can deliver us out of any trial or temptation that we face on this earth. I believe that Jesus is the eternal, everlasting, excellent, extravagant Elohim. Who rules and reigns in not just the heavens above, but also in my heart today. I believe that He is our faithful, eternal Father. Is He your Father today? I believe that He is the indescribable. I believe that He is the indestructible. He is the incomprehensible. He is the God of the universe. I believe He is the highest of the highest. He is Hosanna. To the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the God of gods. He is number one in our lives. Or at least he should be. My dear friends. He is our merciful master. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah Jireh. The God who provides for us. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord who heals us. And listen. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God who gives us peace. And no God like Him can quiet your storms. No God like Him is able to smooth out any rough road that you might be driving down through in your life. Listen, right out the gate, I want to share with you today that Jesus is the spotless, sinless, selected Savior of the world. Do you know Him, church? Is He your Savior? Have you believed that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again victoriously? The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And if you do, name the name of Christ. What did Paul say? He said, let every man or everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We understand the only way we can depart from iniquity is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Our beliefs about the Savior will determine our behavior. Now, I want to share with you three thoughts about our conduct in the church or as the church as it relates to these three verses. In verse number 14, in the first part of verse 15, I wrote down, first of all, the master of the church is Jesus Christ. As I read the last part of verse 15, I wrote down, secondly, the mission of the church is to win the lost to Christ. And then as I read verse 16, the great hymn of 1 Timothy, I wrote down thirdly, the message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you come with me as we move through these three verses? Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, these things write I unto thee hoping to come unto thee shortly. You understand that that Paul's writing. He's writing from a jail cell and he's sending a letter to Timothy to try to edify him, to instruct him, to to share with him how he's to conduct himself as a leader in the church. And he says, I want to come to you shortly. Hopefully one of these days I'm going to get to see you again. But in case I don't, he says in verse 15, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. As I read this section, I wrote down this thought, the master of the church is Jesus Christ. The master of the church is Jesus Christ you know it's interesting how how in the same chapter that it lists the qualifications of a pastor and the same chapter that it lists the qualifications of a deacon the bible emphasizes here that that how we are to behave in the house of god and and listen the house of god is not necessarily the brick and mortar i like what one preacher said he said the the, the the church is not the steeple. The church is the people. A very simple but yet profound way of how we can understand that the body of Christ is, is you and myself. We are the body of Christ. And that as we are gathered together, we need to understand this. That, that I'm not the one who's in charge around here. And that the deacons serving here are not the ones who are in charge around here. That the church members who've been here the longest or maybe who give the most are not the ones in charge here. The one who is in charge is King Jesus. And he is our master. And he is the one who we will all stand before. And it is his church. This is not my church. You see, a lot of pastors are tempted to say, well, well look what I've done. And look what, look at the sermons that i preach, Look at the people that I've helped. But today, church, it's not about me Myself and I. Today it's about the God who uses you and me to accomplish his work in our lives. And so we understand that it's not about any pastor, not about any deacon, not about any servant in the church. But it's about Jesus Christ. And he's our master. He's the one that we will all bow before and stand before. It's interesting what Jesus said on this earth. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And one says, well, well, there'll be some that'll say, well, look what I've done. Look at the demons I've cast out. Look at the works that I've done. And he'll still say, depart from me. I never knew you. Today, I wonder, do you know the master of the universe? Do you know the God of the Bible? And if you do, are you getting to know him better each and every day? This phrase, the house of God, can also be defined as the household of the local church. Just as you might have a house that you live in, but you also have a home so that you have a family there. And so today we understand that, that we may not be related by blood that is our earthly blood. But we are related by the heavenly blood that was shed on Calvary. And today we are a church family. And sometimes, you know, we fight like family and sometimes we fuss like family. But sometimes we serve God with great fervor as a family. And today we need to understand that as a church family, we are in it together. And that we are stronger together. And that the only way we could ever ultimately be strong in our faith as a church is to understand that it's all about one person and that person is Jesus Christ. I want to share with you secondly, not only the master of the church is Jesus Christ, but I want to share with you as I read the last part of verse 15. I read on secondly, the mission of the church is to win the lost to Christ. The mission of the church is to win the lost to Christ. To Christ. Paul writes in verse 14, he says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, he says, if I get held up, you know, if the creeks do rise and I can't cross over, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now, check it out now. He's speaking of the house of God, that is the body of believers. He says, which is the church? The church is a called-out assembly of believers in Jesus' death, His resurrection, and His second coming. He says, "This church of the living God." Now, check it out. Now, the pillar and ground of the truth. I wrote down this: the missions. The, excuse me. The mission of the church is to win the lost to Christ. I like what the proverb says. It says, He that wins souls is wise. And we understand that, that it is not me or you... Who, who wins that or who, who, who saves that individual. It is the Holy Spirit of God who saves the individual, but he uses you and he uses me or he may use you and may use me as an agent and a vessel and an instrument to share the good news and to lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ. But here it says the pillar and ground of the truth, the greatest truth in all the world is not taught in the school system. That is the public school system or the Christian school system or even the home school system, if you will. The greatest truth that is taught in all the world is right here in the local church. And that is the word of God. The Bible is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Every single word. From the book of Genesis to, as the Italian preacher said, to the book of Malachi. uh, In the last uh, verse, or the the book of the Old Testament. All the way from Matthew, all the way to the book of Revelation. Every word, even the Levitical laws, even the Deuteronomical laws, even the passages of the great genealogies for ten chapters in the book of Chronicles. All of it is the word of God and it all has a purpose and it is all necessary. And we need to understand that this book... This Bible contains the greatest truth and greatest message our world has ever seen and heard. I wonder, right now it is September the 9th, 2018. I want to ask you a sobering question. How many people have you shared or attempted to talk to about Jesus Christ? How many times have you went out of your way to at least hand somebody a gospel track or at least to try to expound upon salvation and faith? Or how many times this year so far, or have you this year so far, shared your testimony with somebody who was lost about how God changed your life. The mission of the church is to win the loss to Christ. Perhaps the reason why we see a decrease in church attendance these days as a whole is because the majority of the churches are not taking seriously the great commission that God has given us. You see five times in the New Testament, five times, the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, the book of the book of Luke, the book of John and the book of Acts, we find that that Jesus commissions his people, the disciples, to go into all the world and to preach. That word preach, it means to proclaim. It means to get the megaphone out and to herald the good news that Jesus died and he rose again. And he can save anybody who calls upon his name. That, that the reason why maybe we're not seeing people come to know Christ as Savior is because we're not taking the gospel seriously. And the message that he has given us and the mission that he has commanded us to take. You see, may I just pause and say this? In America... As Brother Joel talked about this morning in Sunday school, we care more about materialism than we do about our heavenly master. We care more about the pleasures of this world than the prince of peace. And we care more about self than we do about our savior. It's time, church, that we recognize and we realize that it's all about Jesus. He is our master and he's given us a mission. And that mission is to win the lost. The Bible says in the book of Acts... Or here's what the Bible does not say. It does not say that you need to go, that after you get saved, you need to go to Bible college and take evangelism 101. It does not say you need to, you need to, after you get saved, you need to go have a crash course, eight-week course at your church about how to share your faith. No, it doesn't say that, you know. All it says is that, that after you get saved, you shall be a witness. A witness, you know, you're called to the stand in the court of law, and you bear testimony. Or you bear record about an event that transpired. And all we are to do is to bear record of Calvary. Of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's what God's called us to do. And you know if the world doesn't want to receive that message that's okay. It's on them. But as Ezekiel talked about. How if we don't share with them the message. The blood is on our hands. But if we share with them the message that blood is not on our hands. May God help us to be a witness in the Roanoke Valley. And to take seriously the mission of the church, I'm thankful that, that, that we are part of a church that takes not only local mission seriously but also global mission seriously where we support over 40 different ministries and missionaries that are out all over the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and that, that we have all different ministries here outreach trying to get the gospel penetrated into the hearts and minds here also in our community today I'm blessed to be a part of this church family because of that but may, may I move forward As we've looked at verse 14, as we've looked at verse 15, may I draw your attention to verse 16? And as I draw your attention to verse 16, I wrote down thirdly. The message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to read this verse and I want to unpack it for you. It says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to glory. This is, in a sense, the great biblical hymn of 1 Timothy. Now, I want you to understand this. That our message is not a prosperity gospel. Our message is not to say, "Hey, if you sow a financial seed of $10,000, God will make you rich." That is not our message today. Our message is not even a a, a, a not a health and wealth gospel. That is if, if you are if you are sick, come up to the altar here and we will just slay you in the spirit so you can get healed. Now, I believe that God is a God of healing and that James talks about how the elders or or the the leaders of the church can can anoint somebody with oil and God can miraculously heal that person through prayer. And I've seen God heal people. And man, some of you have been healed by God and we give God the glory. But our message is not to say that if you are not in full great health, you're right with God. No, not in any way, shape or form. There's been many people throughout the library of time who were greatly used of God who suffered many health issues and who were not rich but poor. I mean, can you imagine some of these health and wealth preachers out there going back into the New Testament time period and going up to John the Baptist and say, John the Baptist, if you don't have your own private jet and a Rolls Royce and a billion dollar bank account, you're not right with God. <laughs> John the Baptist wore camel's hair. His diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was a nomad. He didn't even have a house. You know, it's interesting, Jesus... Jesus didn't have a place to sleep. When we think of success, Jesus is not success. But I submit to you, Jesus Christ is the greatest success story our world has ever heard. Now with all that in mind, we need to understand that, that there are others out in our world today preaching false gospels and that when we come across the true gospel that the Bible talks about over and over again, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that we died and He rose again. And He can save you. That, that, that is the message here. And it says in verse 16, without controversy... Great is the mystery of godliness. Say mystery with me on three. One, two, three. Mystery. Now, I'm not talking about um, a mystery, you know, like playing the game of Clue and you're trying to figure out, you know, who killed so-and-so in the living room or all that nonsense. But today, the word mystery is a truth that God has hidden but now has made revealed. And he unpacks it for us. And in verse 16, he unpacks that this truth... This mystery that was once hidden but now is revealed is about God the Son. And in the first part, I want you to to read the first part. It says, just listen as I read it. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. I want to pause right here. Now, I'm not going to linger too long on each of these phrases, but you need to understand this. There is a little bit of bait about the word God here in this passage. But I need you to understand this. That the word God is, I believe, the accurate rendering of this word Theos is the Greek word for God and we find that there's two lines of manuscripts within the New Testament and some, some theologians believe that the oldest manuscripts are the better manuscripts. But then you have other theologians, and I'm not saying I'm a theologian, but you have other believers out there like myself who believe that the, that the other line of manuscripts, the one that we have more of, are the better manuscripts. And the one that, that I hold to, that our church holds to, has this word theos in it, but the older manuscripts do not have the word that is in it. So that's why if you happen to have another translation of the Bible, it will just say, he was manifest in the flesh. But I submit to you today, I'm with the King James translators on this one. God was manifest in the flesh. And here we find that, that this verse is a great, great support for the deity of Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The Bible goes on to say that the the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that God Almighty came and revealed Himself in human flesh. And that's what the prophets predicted. Isaiah, Jeremiah, others shared about how the Messiah would come, and that Messiah was Jesus. But then it goes on to say justified in the Spirit. The word justified literally means to be declared a righteous. And so we find that Jesus is the only righteous one that's ever walked this earth. I know that there's times that you might think you're a little old Mr. and Miss goody-two-shoe, goody and sometimes I think I am too. But we understand that none of us here are fully righteous except God. And He was justified in the Spirit. That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit was fully righteous, and that he laid down his heavenly attributes to suffer and to bleed and to die. And then it says here, seen of angels. Now, we understand that, that in the, the Bible, it talks about these angelic beings, some that are in heaven right now praising God, crying out different words of adoration and praise and worship. But then there was a select group of angelic beings who who followed Lucifer's revolt and God threw them out of heaven. And the Bible says that, that the Lord Jesus Christ went and preached to the spirits in prison. And I believe those are the fallen angels he went and preached to. He was seen of the angels, of the fallen angels, and of the ones who are still worshiping God in heaven. Then the Bible says he was preached unto the Gentiles. This word preached, as I said before, it means to herald forth. And as you study the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 2, all the way through the end of the book, we find that Peter... We find that James, we find that John, we find that Philip, we find that Stephen, we find that these individuals, when they shared a message, you know what was the core part of their message? Jesus Christ and his gospel. Yes, some of them, when they were talking to Jewish people, they reverted back to the Old Testament and they interpreted and shared with them that this is talking about the Messiah and that Messiah came to the cross and he died and his name was Jesus and you crucified him and he rose again and he wants to save you. And then, when Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, you know what's interesting? He doesn't specifically quote any scripture. But you know what he refers to? He refers to the unknown God and how they ignorantly worship the unknown God and how that unknown God died for their sins and rose again. You see, the message that we are called to preach is Jesus Christ. He was preached to the Gentiles. The Jews first, the Bible talks about. Then it moves to the Gentiles. And today we are benefiting from that. And then it says this. After God was manifested in the flesh, after He was justified in the Spirit, after He was seen of all the angels, after He was preached upon unto the Gentiles, the Bible says He was believed on in the world. This word believe, it literally means to entrust, to put somebody's faith in. Just as you're sitting there right there in that pew, and you, without you realizing it, you are putting your faith in that pew that it's going to hold you up. And I hope that it, that it holds all of you up, okay? I hope none of, none of the pews break and you fall down to the ground. But in like manner, we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Believe done in the world. There's been countless of people who have trusted Christ as Savior since this message has came into existence 2,000 years ago. And then even before that. But then, it says here, received up into glory. Yes, Jesus died. Yes, he rose again. But he ascended up to heaven. And the Bible says that he is coming again. And our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our message, church. Found right here in verse 16. Our message. Your message. My message to the world today. Our beliefs about the Savior will determine our behavior. When we get a proper understanding that God is our master and that he has given us a mission to go out and to win the loss and that he has given us a message to share, when we understand all that in our theological beliefs, our practical behavior. Will be in complete sync and line with the Word of God. In closing, I ask you this Are your thoughts, are your words, and are your actions lining up to the beliefs that you hold to? As one preacher said, your talk talks, but your walk talks louder. And your talk talks. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, May God's blessings be upon you, and have a great week.